everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere as always, and you can find us on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm recording a podcast with coffee in my hand, so nothing can go wrong here. Uh, people thought I talked fast before. It's, it's going to be worse <laughs> today. I am recording a podcast hungrier than I have ever been in my life. Tags, I just told you I uh, started mowing my lawn this morning at about 6.30, and it's it's 8.30 right now, and I'm drenched in sweat and just super hungry. So my hot takes are going to be super hot. Yeah, I know. Bobby's going to be hangry, and uh, when he told me he started cutting the grass at 6.30, I'm like, wait a minute, what do your neighbors think of you? And uh, I remember that Bobby lives in the middle of nowhere, so he, he doesn't have any neighbors. <laughs> so at Fantasy Pros, we're doing these fantasy football experts Q&A. The one for tags just came out today. Well, I mean... Friday, since I don't know when you guys are listening to this, I just wanted to point you guys that way just so you can know a little bit more about tags. But there's one thing that really stood out to me that I thought was too cool not to share on the podcast. Tags, can you tell our listeners how you got started in fantasy football, man? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was uh, basically I had my Yahoo home league uh, for a long time and um, I started writing in the smack talk comments. Like if you've been playing in Yahoo for a long time, you know that I think it was back in 2008, 2009, I started writing in there uh, just basically writing about the teams that were matched up against each other with my friends, you know, whatever, and uh, saying who I thought they would win, why they thought they would win. And I was just doing it. I did it for like the first eight weeks of the season. And then I went to a Bears game in I think it was week nine and I got a bunch of messages that day saying like where's your notes like why didn't you write up the game and uh <laughs> so like that was the first time I kind of noticed that anybody really cared what I had to say uh, about football and like fantasy and for that matter so uh my wife she thought it was really cool and she said she's like if you had a website what would you call it and I said I don't know tags fantasy football or something uh so so tags was my nickname like way back in high school so still is yeah five minutes <laughs> later, five minutes later she's handing me my laptop and uh, said she bought the domain and she's like start writing so I didn't have an audience I didn't know any anybody in the industry it was just like something that literally my friends and my wife kind of pushed me to do and uh, that is so cool yeah definitely happy that I kept pushing with it <laughs> what an awesome wife man sure. and she's really good at fantasy football too she's not just <laughs> like you know supporting your fantasy football thing like she could come on here and hold her own for sure oh no for sure yeah and we're actually having our, our dynasty uh, rookie draft tonight for our home league and uh, it was funny because my brother he sent me a message yesterday he he typed in dynasty rookie rankings into into google and of course mine mine's the first article that pops up on his list and he's like hey i just thought you'd find this cool and i'm like you know this is cool it's cool that, like that my article pops up there but it's also uncool because every single person <laughs> I draft is gonna have, they know exactly who i want in the draft and someone's trying to trade me the one two pick right now because they know i want sony michelle that bad and i'm like that's funny yeah i, I <laughs> that's the downside of being a fantasy analyst i guess so, Tags, today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic. Well, not mine. My favorite hot takes, obviously. Everyone else's favorite topic is sleepers. I love sleepers, too. And not just sleepers. We're talking about deep sleepers. First, though, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's show, Pristine Auction. Pristine Auction has daily auctions with hundreds of items that end nightly. There's something perfect for every fan of any team. Everything is authentic from only the most trusted sources. And you seriously won't believe just how affordable a lot of these items are. Just listen to some of these prices from a few Awesome football pieces that I saw just last night. Signed Corey Davis, Titans jersey, 49 bucks. Signed Saquon Barkley photo of him jumping over a dude at Penn State, 49 bucks. Devin Hester signed on-field Bears helmet, 100 bucks even. 
I saw this beautiful yellow and navy blue old Ram jersey tags signed by Aaron Donald. And, you know, I don't like the Rams now because they left us in St. Louis, but I used to be a big Rams fan. So this one caught my attention. I like the old yellow and blue from back in the day. You'll find something you love too. Check out pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. That way we can keep doing these giveaways. Like right now, we have a signed Keenan Allen powder blue jersey we're giving away this month to one of our listeners. If you want to enter to win it, just check out fantasypros.com slash contest. All right, Tags, here's the plan, man. We've got 10 deep sleepers each. Some are the same. So, you know, if you bring up my guy, and I know that you're going to several times because we like the same players. We've kind of talked each other into some guys. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'll just say, hey, I have this guy number one on my list or, or what have you. Um, but we're going to count them down to number one. First, though, how are you defining sleepers? That way our listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, that's a good point, Bobby, because like the thing is sleeper, the term has kind of gone overused and some people say sleepers don't exist anymore. And and it's really it's tough to find a name. I mean, should we call them late round picks? But the reason we're calling these deep sleepers is because a lot of these guys are undrafted. So the, 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 the criteria that I used when I wrote the article for my 10 deep sleepers was I picked players that are being drafted outside the top 160. Okay, I went 150, so I might have someone in there that you really wanted to use, but couldn't. You're probably <laughs> right. Uh, Trubisky would have been inside that territory for me, but uh, so no, but it's outside the top 160 because essentially what I wanted to do is say for a 10-team league, these guys are absolutely undrafted on, on average. And then yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and then in a 12-team league, they're outside like the top 13 rounds, so you can snag them with one of your final picks. So, I mean, truth be told, there's only like two or three players on my list who are being drafted inside the top 200. I tried to okay. make it like the deeper, the better, because I want to give you guys an idea as to the players who who might creep up draft boards. And if they and even if they don't, uh, you should keep an eye on them because I believe they have actual fantasy potential. Agree. And I've got some uh, really deep guys as well. I've got some guys who aren't quite as deep, but they're definitely deep. They're definitely going undrafted in most leagues. Um, you know, I also think it can't be someone everyone's talking about, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Burton. Obviously, they don't qualify in the 150 range, but those guys aren't sleepers, people. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone is drafting them like that. Uh, kickers and defenses obviously don't count, and they have to actually have good upside. It can't just be like, oh, he's outside the top 280p, so Benny Cunningham is a sleeper. No, if he's not ever going to be startable in fantasy football, he's not a sleeper, right? Right, exactly. We're looking for guys <laughs> that, that could potentially become every week starters in your fantasy lineup, and at the very least become uh, bi-week fill-ins. And these are guys, again, you can get with their last pick, and you'll find out what you have. And a lot of the guys, you're going to find out what you have like right at the beginning of the season. All right, man. Let's start it off. Uh, you got number 10. You're first. Yeah, number 10, I have Anthony Miller from the Bears. Uh, you know, the, the more that when Allen Robinson signed with the Bears, I told people that I was going to draft him as a top 15 wide receiver. Like there was just so many targets to be had in the offense. It top made, 15? It, yeah, it made so much. No, no top 15 wide oh. receiver, not <laughs> overall. But but the, the, the more moves that the Bears have done this offseason, the more I'm slowly backing away from Allen Robinson. On top of that, he hasn't returned to practice. Now, he has done a few uh, drills, and they do expect him to be uh, pretty much ready for the start of training camp. We, we're not for certain yet. So basically, he hasn't had time to develop any chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. Meanwhile... We're both we are both talking so fast. It's like a fire hydrant of information here. <laughs> You're probably right. No, someone actually mentioned that on Twitter. They said the best way to consume podcasts is to speed everybody up one and a half times. Just don't do it with tags because uh, he just talks too fast. And like, basically, he sounds like he's on one and a half speed already. I actually tried doing the half speed with Bobby and I, and they say that we sound drunk. I wasn't buying Anthony Miller tags. But now I am because we don't know when Allen Robinson's coming back. Like, there's no guarantee he's going to be back for week one, week four. I mean, who knows how long this thing is going to linger? And if that's the case, 
Anthony Miller might be the number one there, right? Oh, no, for sure. And that's the thing is like you, you even think about Mitch Trubisky and the quarterback that he's been going back to North Carolina uh, when he played there. Ryan Switzer was his best receiver. Like that's who he targeted a lot in that spread offense. And then going back to last year, Kendall Wright became that target down the, the stretch of the season. Similar players, man. Exactly. And that's the thing is so Anthony Miller is going to play the slot. He's not going to be a perimeter wide receiver. They got Taylor Gabriel for that role. Benny Fowler was the one they signed. It was kind of like an off the radar free agent signing to uh, compete for for the slot role and then they traded up their second and fourth round picks to get Anthony Miller so obviously the Bears saw something special in the kid he's been developing chemistry in minicamp uh, some people have compared him to Doug Baldwin so just to give you an idea uh, the potential here Anthony Miller he's being drafted as the 197th overall player he's my number 10 my number 10 guy Ricky Seals Jones tight end from Arizona and I get it he only had like 80 snaps last year, but when he played, he was really good. In just 40 snaps last year, 170 touchdowns and um, 170 touchdowns. Wow, <laughs> 170 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he was just on fire for a while, but you know they just kept him on the bench because of Jermaine Gresham. I think maybe with a full season to get him completely up to speed with all the blocking and everything like that. He might steal this job. This is a guy who was a big-time athlete. He was a top 60 high school recruit in basketball and football, like big-time athlete. He could be an absolute superstar. I really believe that, kind of like an Antonio Gates type. Um, now, granted, he, he has a lot that he needs to improve in his game, but in terms of going out and getting the ball and catching it, he's one, he's one of the best in the NFL. I really believe that. I think if he gets on the field, it's going to show. Uh, plus, they lost over 200 targets in, in Arizona last uh, last offseason. I have a special place of, of hate in my heart. I don't want to say hate, but in my heart for Ricky <laughs> Seals-Jones. Uh, and the reason I say that is because last year in one of my fantasy leagues, uh, it was a dynasty league, actually. I snagged him off the waiver wire. Someone got hurt. I can't remember who it was, but they were going to miss week 16, my championship week. Ricky Seals-Jones literally didn't score a point against the Giants. It was the Giants, guys. Like, everybody scores against the Giants. And he he didn't score a single point, and I lost that game by, like, 2.2 points. I was I was so furious with him. <laughs> so, you, so you're definitely not drafting him. Well, my issue with him, <laughs> but here's the thing. My issue with him is that I don't know how much the Arizona offense is going to be in the red zone, and if they are, David Johnson's there, Larry Fitzgerald's there, uh, Christian Kirk is there. So these are all guys that are targeted in that short, intermediate area of the field. And David Johnson's going to get, you know, 9,000 touchdowns. <laughs> Probably. Well, I mean, if they score 10 touchdowns, I think you'd be lucky. Yeah, but Sam Bradford is so much better than Drew Stanton. Well, I, I would agree with you there, but the offensive line is not built for someone like uh, Sam Bradford. That's the, my concern there is that I don't think he holds up behind that offensive line. It, it's brutal. Uh, I know this isn't a hot take show, but I'm calling it right now. The Cardinals are going to win the, the NFC West. They were eight. They were eight and eight last year, and they go from Drew Stanton to Sam Bradford, who led. He leads all quarterbacks in his past 16 games in quarterback rating. The Rams are still there, and the Rams are winning that division. The Rams are really good, but I think Sam Bradford's better than Jared Goff, man. Oh, I, I, I will get there. We'll get there because yeah. Sam Bradford's one of my sleepers and I've got some awesome stats on just how good he is. Nice. Well, we'll get to that. So, I, I mean, the okay. Seals Jones thing, I, I can see it being a sleeper for sure, but I just worry about the area of the field where other targets are at. All right, man. Who's your number nine? Number nine is Ryan Grant. And I have no idea why people are sleeping this guy. Like, so he's my number eight. So let's, uh, yeah, we'll piggyback on each other here. I love Ryan Grant. Yeah, Ryan Grant. So last year, of the wide receivers, there were 83 wide receivers who saw 50 or more targets. Okay. He finished ninth in fantasy points per target. Now, granted, it, yes, it was with Kirk Cousins. I get that, and that's fine. But he he did it in a role. He ended up taking over for Terrell Pryor and said, he's, I'm kicking you out of the, out of the starting lineup, and I'm going to start. 
He's going to Andrew Luck. So I, I, I'm not one to say that Andrew Luck's really a downgrade, and he's the clear-cut number two option at wide receiver. You have T.Y. Hilton playing the slot most of the time, and Ryan Grant is taking over that old Dante Moncrief role. I don't know where the disconnect is here because so many people drafted Dante Moncrief as a top 30 wide receiver in multiple seasons thinking, oh, it's the number two for Andrew Luck. I, I remember him going in the top 50 overall. I was really high on Moncrief when he was going like 85. Then when he started going that high, I was like, no way, man. People were drafting him so high. Ryan Grant, same type of thing, man. I mean, you don't have to be Calvin Johnson to put up fantasy points with Andrew Luck, right? You just have to be competent. And he's more than competent. He creates separation. I think he's going to get plenty of targets. He bet on himself. It's a new offense. Uh, so T.Y. Hilton might not see the target share that he used to, to be honest with you. We don't know if Andrew Luck can handle, if he can handle throwing the ball down the field as much as he used to. So Ryan Grant with an ADP of 338. So he's he's absolutely not drafted right now he's someone i'm taking at the end of best ball drafts and i feel really really good about it remember too ty hilton last year did not look special he was the number one wide receiver in that offense and he did not do much he's not a very good wide receiver apart from luck grant doesn't have to be a great receiver to, to just go bonkers i mean luck had 356 fantasy points in his last full healthy season that demands our attention guys all right my number nine keelan cole wide receiver for jacksonville uh he is it's just a dynamite athlete. And he went under the radar last season because he went to Kentucky Wesleyan. Uh, there were rumors of him in the preseason. I was paying attention, um, you know, that this guy was going to be pretty special if he ever got in the field, that he was getting some first-team reps. So I got him in all my dynasty leagues, and I'm super pumped that I did because he was the number two fantasy receiver last year. And in fact, in the five games he started to close the season, I already said this earlier, Keelan Cole led the NFL in receiving yards. He was the number two fantasy football receiver over the last five weeks in the whole in the whole league, like over every, you know, over everyone except for Keenan Allen. Antonio Brown was hurt. Otherwise, Antonio Brown would have been there based on his first three weeks in that time period. But Keelan Cole, man, was awesome. And I understand there's some obstacles like it's a it's a heavy depth chart. Blake Bortles isn't really that good. They want to run the ball a ton. But tags, did you know this? Jacksonville was second in scoring in the AFC last year. Yeah, Jacksonville scored more than most people thought. It was it was a it was actually a fantasy rich offense, which was really odd. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and Allen Robinson's gone too. So I know that everyone thinks Marquise Lee's the number one. I think it's Keelan Cole, man. Well, Cole Cole is going to play in in the slot. He's going to be on the field for three wide receiver sets. The issue is like, we do we know how much they're going to do that? Uh, they've they've beefed up the run game. They added to the offensive line. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette's going to be healthy coming into this year. Like Leonard Fournette's a monster when he's healthy. I think people forget just how good. Leonard Fournette oh, was. He was so good. Even against stack boxes 60% of the time, he was blowing through it. 120 yards a game, two touchdowns every time. He was awesome. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, before he hurt his ankle, like, if you go look at his game logs before he hurt his ankle, he was, like, a top 12 running back every single week. So, I like Marquise Lee a lot. I think people are underestimating him, but Keelan Cole is a sleeper I have no issue with. He already showed that he could produce in the NFL with Blake Bortles. Dante Moncrief doesn't scare me at all. No, uh, so, and DJ Chark isn't even going to sniff playing time. Yeah, I mean, drafting him in the second round is kind of odd, but uh, you know, I, I think he's more competing with D.D. Westbrook for the number four wide receiver role at this point in time. So, yeah, I, I have no issue with the, the Keelan Cole call. I just like Marquise Lee a bit more. Plus, if it's anything like last year when nine of our 12 receivers were injured, and I say we because I'm a Jags fan, for those of you who don't know, um, that's why Keelan Cole got playing time is because so many people got hurt. Uh, Allen Robinson, uh, Allen Hearns, all these guys. So um, Keelan Cole proved that I think he's the best wide receiver in that uh, in that receiver core, and I think he's going to get a pretty good chance like he did at the close of the season. 
All right, who's your number eight, man? Number eight's Michael Gallup, and uh, you might have heard that name before, but apparently drafters have not. <laughs> Michael Gallup is being drafted as the 210th overall player, and I went by half PPR here because I wanted to be somewhere in the middle so I could just get kind of like a both ends, standard and PPR. Uh, but Michael Gallup, I, I think the concern is that, you know, Dallas keeps saying that, you know, we're happy with Deontay Thompson, we're happy with Terrence Williams, Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns is our clear number one. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until they get on the field and realize that he's just not a number one receiver. He's a fine number two. I think he can he can handle that role. That's fine. But Michael Gallup is the guy you want on, on the roster there. I, I don't know. We, we talked about Gallup so much in the show is that the only issue with him is that if he doesn't start in week one, you might feel the need to cut him if he's not on the field, which, which I understand why you'd want to do that. But understand when you draft Gallup with one of your final picks, you're doing so understanding. You're not doing, he's not your wide receiver three or your flex play. He's an upside play. You see what you have. Yep. Understand that. I would say maybe wait uh, like when you draft him and know that you're going to wait maybe at max, I'd say four weeks before you, you cut bait because you want to make sure that you see him on the field. Dak Prescott knows who the best players are. Dak Prescott will find him. And I agree. I think uh, I think Gallup is, I have him as my third best wide receiver in this draft class behind Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore. And I love both those guys, right? Um, but Michael Gallup is, is really good. And a lot of people thought, uh, you know, he dra- they drafted him in the third round. He's probably not that big of a deal. No, this guy is, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a first, I, I I felt like he could have been like the end of the first round, beginning of the second round conversation. I did feel, I, th- I thought the Colts were going to take him in the second round, to be honest with you. I don't know why they didn't, I guess, because they believe in Ryan Grant. Yeah, well, the, yeah, <laughs> after the Ravens blundered his long-term deal. Yeah, or maybe they're just going to go out and sign Des Bryant. We'll see what happens. Ugh, I, that would be something, man. It would make sense. Number seven for me is Sam Bradford. You know, I, I told you guys. He has the best quarterback rating over his past 16 starts, and a lot of people forget just how good he was that year. And then in week one last year before he was uh, you know, injured in week two, but just listen to this. Compared to Drew Brees, Sam Bradford, 422 for 584. He threw more passes than Drew Brees, who was at 536. Completion percentage, only Drew Brees was better than Sam Bradford. But the yards, Drew Brees, 43-34. Sam Bradford, 42-23, so extremely close. 23 touchdowns for both, 8 interceptions for Breeze, 5 for Sam Bradford. He's going to Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson's offense. He's going to start. I know Josh Rosen is there, but if Sam Bradford is healthy, Sam Bradford is playing, and Sam Bradford, I think, could be a QB1. I don't think he's going to be healthy the whole season, but when you got him, I'm fine with playing him. And in two quarterback leagues, I'm obviously not saying draft him in a standard one quarterback league, but in two quarterback leagues, this is my guy. It's possible, but there's also the risk built in that Josh Rosen is the one that takes over because they're both learning a new offense. I don't think one player has the head up, but I will say this. Christian Kirk um, has been rooming with Josh Rosen, so obviously he's somewhat close with him. And uh, he said in a recent interview that um, that they're going forward based on what the coaches have been implying is that Sam Bradford's the starter day one. So I, I'm, I tend to side with you that Bradford will be the starter. I think this defense is better than people think. Uh, Arizona, I think they underperformed last year. I think they're going to be a lot better uh, moving to Buda Baker at safety. Like they, they started to turn things around a little bit. I'm, I'm concerned about their cornerback depth, but it could happen. I'm just, I'm, I was actually the biggest Sam Bradford fan coming into the NFL. I felt like he was going to be great. Uh, like his, his arm is solid. His accuracy has always been there. Well, he's had a new offensive coordinator every year of his career, basically. So yeah, that definitely hurts. And it was something that happened with Jay Cutler a lot, but Sam Bradford has kind of overcame that <laughs> with Minnesota. Uh, and was playing really well, but um, starting over again, now in competition behind a bad offensive. I just, I have my concerns. I think Sam Bradford is a brave Alex Smith without legs. (laughs) 
He, that's, a, that's a good quarterback, man. Sam Bradford doesn't have any legs. I, I've got all the shares of Sam Bradford in best ball leagues. All of them. Really? I, Even in leagues I'm not drafting, I've got all the Sam Bradford shares. <laughs> that's funny. I, wa- I seriously was going to put him as my number one sl- deep sleeper, but the thing is, like, if you're not drafting him in standard leagues, right. I don't think he can be number one. Correct. I would I would agree yeah. with you there. All right. Who's your number seven? My number seven I should have put higher. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, this guy should be higher. Uh, it's Mike Williams, uh, the wide receiver for the Chargers. He's being drafted at 161. He's the highest player on my list, so it, it makes sense that you know I'm probably higher on him than most. Like, But having him at number seven... This this guy literally, I believe that he's got top twenty four upside in his potential, and the reason I say that is because the guy's six four and two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, he's been working with Keenan Allen this off season. He's been working on his route running with him. He's been doing yoga and Pilates to help his back a little bit, and he never had to have surgery. So that's that's not a that's a good thing. Um, they didn't have they don't have to worry about Mike Williams having like a major fusion or anything like that because that's difficult to come back from as someone who's had it myself. But I've mentioned this before: Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates are not on the team. Virgil Green is not that guy. Uh, Keenan Allen has not scored more than six touchdowns since his rookie season. Uh, Tyrell Williams is not a go-up-and-get-it type of receiver. He's the guy to stretch a field. He's 6'4", but he's only 200 pounds. Mike Williams is the only bully that Phillip Rivers has. And Phillip Rivers is the type. to he's, he's He'll throw it up high. His accuracy is good enough where he will throw it up high. Mike Williams is the go-up-and-get-it receiver. They drafted him at number seven overall. They want him to be the number two. Mike Williams has a legit shot at breaking out this year uh, with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I should have put Mike Williams higher, but he's my number seven. When you said Mike Williams, I was like, yeah, I got him on my list too. And I started scrolling down my list. I'm like, well, where is he? Did I put him like number three, number two? He's not on my list. How did this happen? How did that happen? Because Mike Williams, I like him more than you do. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I like him more than I'm even looking at now where I'm like, man, I should have put him higher because his upside's there. Everyone should like him that much, man. Mike Williams is a great talent. Phenomenal. Seriously, phenomenal talent. He's got wide receiver one upside. Just think, if Keenan Allen goes down, which as you know happens sometimes in his career, what would Mike Williams be? He'd be an every week starter. He'd be a top twenty four wide receiver. I think he's going to be anyway, man. I think he. I think he could be a top fifteen wide receiver this year. I, if Keenan Allen's healthy, I can't see that happening just because the. Oh, not if not not if Allen's healthy. I'm saying if Allen was hurt. Yeah. I think Williams is a wide receiver too. And that's what I'm saying. I think he's going to be. The, I think he's. I, I actually believe that he's going to lead this team in touchdowns. It will outside of Melvin Gordon. I'm talking about the wide receivers. I think he's going to lead the wide receivers and the Chargers in touchdowns. Remember when Melvin Gordon had zero touchdowns as a rookie? I do remember He can't score touchdowns, and now we're talking about him like he's a touchdown guy. Well, because he worked with Adrian Peterson after that season, and uh, that did him so – that did him wonders. Like, watching Melvin Gordon on the goal line the next year, it was amazing. And it was like Adrian Peterson was a monster on the goal line. We all all knew that, but – Their offensive line is good, too, man. I I think Phillip Rivers might get himself a Super Bowl this year. I mean, I really hope so because Phillip Rivers has been un – Underrated his entire career. That offensive line has been so bad, but last year they were really good. And you know they're getting Forrest Lamp back this year. He was last he was last year's I think first round pick. So getting him back is going to help. You know he's got weapons. The defense is really good. I think the Chargers do have a shot actually to make a run. Should I risk my mentions getting blown up here, Tags? Should I say it? Oh God. Uh oh. Philip Rivers is a lot better than Eli Manning. Oh, th- that's easy. That's easy. I know you agree, but for the people out there who don't realize just how good Philip Rivers has been and how mediocre Eli Manning has been, Phillip, if you're th- talking about Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer, Philip Rivers has been 
almost twice as good. He's so good. Yeah, Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. He's, not twice as he's, good. He's, he's not. Example. I would actually compare Philip Rivers to Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a better comparison. Yeah, that's a good call. And like I know Ben's won a couple championships, but uh, I, I think Rivers is just as good. Uh, as a as a quarterback, he, he's gone through the coaching system, so it's not a coaching thing. It's Philip Rivers. He's just a damn good quarterback. I'm looking at my list now, and if I could reorder it, I guess I still can. But um, I would put Mike Williams fourth. Yeah, I I, I wish I would put him higher. I'd probably put him. Yeah, I mean, I might put him four, five. Wouldn't you know? it be magical if we had the same top three? It would be magical. I think that we could. I number one and number two, I think you definitely have in your top five. Number three, you probably don't have, but it would be cool. Nice. Well, we're going to find out. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to get to number six here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors, YourRules.com. Have you ever wished you could substitute players in fantasy football like you were a real football coach? For whatever reason you want, player injury, concussion protocol, player ejected, player non-performance, whatever. Now you can with your rules new in-game substitution feature, which is just an awesome idea, right? Don't lose your game while the winning combination is on your bench. Have you ever been involved in a tight fantasy football game? You're down a few points. Your number one receiver, you know, gets hammered as he's going up for a catch and uh, they call pass interference. You know, his team gets 30 yards. Your team gets nothing. That doesn't happen on yourrolls.com because they have settings to make it so that it doesn't work that way. Uh, it's beautiful. They've come up with so many good ideas and I just try it. Just check out yourrules.com and just see all the things they have because you're, you're seriously just going to love it. Uh, take control and change your game today. Your team, your settings, your rules. Your rules is fantasy sports your way. Change your game today. Check out yourrules.com. That's Y-O-U-R-U-L-Z.com or visit them on Facebook to learn how to play the game by your rules. All right, my number six guy is Josh Stocks, and I've talked about him quite a bit. Really, guys, this is simple, right? Um, last year, he was covered, shadow covered. I'm not just talking about, you know, these guys were on the team, and he saw a little bit of them. Like, they shadowed him, like 70 80% of the game. Richard Sherman, Xavier Rhodes, Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins twice, Casey Hayward, Patrick Peterson, Akeem Tlaib. That is the that is the list of the best shadow corners in the game, and they were all on him at one point. Like I said, with Jenkins twice, it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, there's going to be some of those matchups, of course. But when you watch the film tag, Josh Doxson's athleticism pops off the page. I think he can be very good in this league, and I, you know I love Jamison Crowder. But where jo- Doxson is going, Alex Smith coming in, man. I love Doxon. And, you know, they got rid of Brian Quick, Ryan Grant, Terrell Pryor. And I know they added Paul Richardson. Jordan Reed's going to be back for a couple weeks, probably. Um, but I think Alex Smith is, is an upgrade even on Kirk Cousins. And I think Josh Doxon's their number one. Yeah, no, for sure. And and Doxon, I, I mean, he's the prototypical number one. He's the one that they brought in comparing to A.J. Green. That's who, a, that's who Jay Gruden said. A.J. Green? Are you? I didn't hear that. I need to move him up the list, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like. With all these weapons, like you wonder how how what's his actual ceiling with Paul Richardson there, with Jamison Crowder there, with Jordan Reed healthy, all these things. But Josh Doxson's the perfect player to take a shot on late in drafts. Like I didn't realize he was going this late. He didn't fall into my he's actually one fifty five, it looks like in front of me. So he he fell outside the one fifty, which is shocking. I would have thought he would have been around the one twenty, one thirty range, which is which is fine. Like that eleventh round around the area where you'd expect to find some guys that are not starters, but you're looking for the upside. That guy's built like he's like a Mike Williams type where he's built six, four. Uh, I want to say he's around 220, 230, something like that. There's a reason all those guys are shadowing him, right? Let's just say that for sure. He was the clear cut number one last year. And I don't I don't know if Paul Richardson's you know good enough to take that away from him. 
but it's definitely going to be a different team to watch. So, I, Doxon, I'm, I'm on board with this one. I actually agree with you. I think it's a great sleeper call. And, you're again, you're going to know what you have, like, right away. Tags, who's your next guy? My next player, number six, is Albert Wilson. You're going to have to talk me into this one. All the other ones, I was fully on board when you said their name. Talk, you got to talk me into so this I one. Can't, I, the reason I, I fell in, into the whole Wilson thing, uh, like he fell into my list, was because I was doing a Devontae Parker profile, and I was talking of Devontae Parker, and then I found, like, at, while doing this all this research, I was trying to figure out, okay, how much can Danny Amendola and, and Albert Wilson really coincide with each other and, like, produce, and, like, what's the target share that they can get? Here's the thing. Danny Amendola only plays the slot. Albert Wilson can play slot. He can play perimeter. All right. That that's obviously gives them some versatility. So you're not going to take Kenny Stills or Devontae Parker off the field. We know that those guys are the number one and number two. So I looked at it. Do you know how many snaps last year the Dolphins had four wide receivers in the field? And it was under Adam Gase. So it's the same exact offense. I have, I mean, I have no idea. 33 snaps the entire season. They had four wide receivers in the field. So that doesn't happen. Okay. So therefore, if you're going to sit here and tell me that one of Albert Wilson or Danny Amendola is going to be on the field, like playing the slot, the role that Jarvis Landry has left. Oh, wow. So it's like, I'm not saying they're going to get 161 targets like Jarvis Landry did last year. But what I'm, so- what I'm talking about is a guy that is going as a two. Jarvis Landry's not very good, man. Who knows? I think Jarvis Landry's better than some people think. He just would. I mean, I think he's better than Al- Albert Wilson, but it- Albert Wilson was he was decent. And now he's going to get used a lot, right? So we'll see. Now, the thing is, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. I like Devontae Parker too much to say that Albert Wilson is going to truly break out and be a top 24 receiver. I don't I don't think that's who Albert Wilson is. What I think he is, I think he's a high floor sleeper rather than a high upside one. Like, I think he's a guy where it's like if you're if you if you start two flex spots and if you need someone to plug into that last one because you have someone hurt, maybe Mark Ingram, you drafted him and you're going to need someone for the first four weeks. Kind of like a Chris Thompson, but at wide receiver. Yes, exactly. Like, that's the type of wide receiver that I envision Albert Wilson as being. Like, you're only, I mean, if you're playing in a PPR format, you'll probably get, you know, five catches for, you know, 50 yards uh, for, for the week. And that's fine out of a flex spot. You're not mad at that, especially for a guy that's going undrafted. So, Albert Wilson, he's going to play over Amendola. The contract says that. Amendola hasn't been able to stay healthy anyways. Yeah, I could see that, man. I could see that, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't buying it at all, but... Um, you know, when you com- when I compared him to Chris Thompson, it kind of clicked like, yeah, this makes sense. All right. I'm going to the Chargers. Uh, I, I said Mike Williams. You said Mike Williams earlier. I thought Mike Williams in, in my heart. <laughs> um, but number five for me, back to the Chargers, Justin Jackson running back. And this is super deep, right? I'm not expecting Melvin Gordon to get injured. But, you know, injuries do happen and they happen a lot to running backs. And like you said, Tags, Melvin Gordon has toothpicks for legs. So, I don't mind rostering a backup if they're going to step in and just be a monster and get, you know, 15 plus touches. I think Jackson could do that if Gordon was to go down. And, you know, you look at running backs historically, these running backs with a big workload, they go down for like four or five, 10 games, like 25, 30% of the time. So if I've got a one in four chance at Justin Jackson getting 15 carries a game behind that offensive line with Phillip Rivers and all those receivers, I think Justin Jackson could be a monster. I think he could be an RB1 if that was to happen. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that, Bobby. And I, I think I want to mention this. So in my article that I wrote, I said that there really aren't sleepers at the running back position at this point in time. We pretty much know who's going to lead timeshares most of the time. I do have one sleeper, though, that I'm going to talk about. But 
the players that I listed at the top, and I said, I don't want to put them in the article, but these are players who, if there is an injury, they could be potential league winners. And the one, uh, Justin Jackson was one of them. John Kelly is another. And TJ, TJ Yeldon was the third one I felt like putting down. So uh, I am 100% on board with you there. I think Justin Jackson, if, if, you're, if you play in a league with a deep bench and you know that you can sit on a player for a while, Justin Jackson's a good guy to grab. And plus, remember, if you're like waiting for an injury to happen, you don't want to draft a guy because of that. Did you draft Kareem Hunt last year because uh, Spencer Ware might get hurt? If you did, you won your championship, right, Tex? <laughs> I mean, you won your championship if uh, you if you drafted Kareem Hunt like we told you to at the end of the second round once uh, Spencer Ware got hurt. Yeah, but I mean, there were a lot of drafts that happened before then. But I, no, Bobby, I like your take. So hold on, Bobby, I want to go back. It was one of the like the smartest things that you've ever said in the podcast. So I've, re- I've remembered it. Um, it's going back to last year and you always said, you're like, you know what? I don't even draft a defense. I don't draft a kicker. If you're in leagues that do that, take someone like, uh, you know, like, like we're talking about Justin Jackson, take someone like that with your last few picks. And if something happens in the preseason where they get hurt, like the starter gets hurt, all of a sudden you have a gold mine. Yeah. You've got a, a, you know, a third round pick for free. Exactly. And then, you know, if, if nothing happens, you could drop that player or someone else for a defense right before your game starts. So I think it was one of the best things you've ever said, like. Yeah, no, it was it was great. I, I I still remember that advice to this day. I do that in every single league, and uh, it has definitely paid dividends. So, um, you know, worst case scenario, you pick up a streamer, and guess what? If you're drafting a kicker or a defense, it's a streamer. All right, man, who's your next player? All right, my number five is James Washington. Uh, was one of my favorite wide receivers. You love rookie running, rookie wide receivers. So the thing year. is, is the reason I like them is because they're free. I wouldn't draft them with equity like Calvin Ridley. I, you know, we've talked about him on this show and that I am a massive Calvin Ridley fan, but I own almost zero shares of him because he's going as the like 45th or 50th wide receiver off the board. And I'm not willing to pay that. James Washington, Michael Gallup, guys that are going undrafted. Give me them all day. They're going to get more targets, man. Exactly. And they're, bo- they're both really good, too. But the best part about James Washington and the reason that I like him more than most and why he's number five on my list the Steelers, over the last uh, four years, they've had two rookie wide receivers break out in their rookie year. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster last year, 917 yards, seven touchdowns, and that was just in 14 games. Martavis Bryant, if you guys remember, he missed the first six games of that year. He, he came on, played just 10 games, but he finished with 549 yards and eight touchdowns. The word out of Pittsburgh is that James Washington looks like a better wide receiver than Martavis Bryant in the role that the Steelers want him to play. I actually agree with this 100%. On on film, James Washington was one of the best uh, uh, pass catchers in traffic. He was one of the best ball trackers when the ball came over his shoulder. Uh, Like He's a deep ball god where he knows how to change the, the speed in his routes, where he's not the fastest guy, but he does create separation. So James Washington could be very, very good. And if for some reason something were to happen to Antonio Brown or Juju, James Washington, every week starter. Yep. Yep. I agree. And, you know, a lot of people like to think that these rookie wide receivers can't come in and make an impact just because it hasn't happened the last couple years as often. It's recency bias. Yeah, it's recency bias because it has happened plenty in the past five years. I mean, we're talking about some stars. Remember Michael Thomas? Remember Stephon Diggs? Remember Mike Evans? All these guys. Yep. Even going back further, the, uh, Mike, Mike Williams on Tampa. Like This is going back to like, I think like 2010. He's no longer in the league, but as a rookie, I think he had 1,000 yards. Amari Cooper had 1,000 yards his rookie season. Yeah, there, it happens, guys. Just don't let the recency bias affect 
Keelan Cole had 600 yards in five games last year. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And that's the thing is you're not spending any equity. I understand betting against it happening, which is why I, I'm not drafting Calvin Ridley, but it can happen for sure. Let's stick with another backup running back in tags. This is by far the best backup running back in the league. Spencer Ware, because he was a really good starting running back. He was an RB1, uh, right? And so Kareem Hunt, if he was to go down, uh, Spencer Ware would step right in and immediately be an RB1. And let's remember, I mean, Andy Reid likes to use 60-30-10. Last year, he's 90-10. Now that Spencer Ware's back, it is going to be 60-30 or 60-40. I think he's going to be useful in deeper leagues where you start two, three flexes. And uh, I wouldn't mind drafting Spencer Ware and just taking eight, nine, ten touches a game until something happens. I'm not saying something is going to happen, but if something were to happen, you would be spending your entire fab budget on him. So why not just own him at the end of your bench? You know what? I actually, that's that's a mistake on my part. He should have been in that rookie conversation for guys that could win your league if uh, a starter if starter goes down. Because if Kareem Hunt goes down, Spencer wears a league winner. Did you say rookies? If you're running back. <laughs> if a Oh, okay. I thought you were saying Spencer Ware was a rookie. I was like, no, man. No, he's <laughs> no, not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I, know, I know that you know that. I was just going to poke oh, fun at you. Oh, for sure. But no, so Spencer Ware, I, I dig him. I, I, I don't know how he's coming back from the injury. I haven't heard much about him, and that's my concern is that I don't know if he even starts the year the player he used to be, and that's why I'm giving the job to Kareem Hunt. I'm not, I'm not even saying it's a competition, but Spencer Ware is the type where it's like, you know, if, if for whatever reason something did happen to Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware is an every week starter RB1. All right. Who's your next guy, Tags? Number four is a guy that's the reason I put him up at number four is because I think he's recently moved up for me. And that's Jordan Wilkins. Uh, he's the only running. That's my number one. He's my only he's the only running back that I have on my list because it's, it's really difficult to find a, a running back outside the top 160 players that you feel like could be a fantasy impact player without an injury. And Wilkins, you know, he's a guy that it was funny because we had Jeff Radcliffe on the show after the NFL draft and we started going through all these players and he's like, you know, Jordan Wilkins, I, I really like that pick and the landing spot and this and that. And I, I went back to look at my notes because Wilkins wasn't someone who was projected to go in the top three or four rounds. And my notes on him was that he looks like a little lesser version of Matt Forte in that the way he moves, he's not a, he's not really physical as a running back, but he kind of just does everything okay, like pretty well. Uh, and that's the thing is he's the only running back, I think, in Indy who does that because Naheem Hines is not that guy. Uh, Marlon Mack, we don't know if they trust him. And they hear, I think they might give him a chance, but I don't think that he's the guy. Right, well, that's the thing. Marlon Mack, I do think that they give him the first shot at the job. I, I, I do, but here's the thing. He had off-season shoulder surgery, and he hasn't been in there with the team being able to work through these drills. Jordan Wilkins has been getting reps with the ones, which says a lot. You know, I, The fact that the Colts did not grab a running back in free agency, and the fact that they did not, um, they didn't attack a running like the running backs early in the draft, that makes me feel like they had a plan in place, that they knew they can get Hines where they did, that they knew that they can get Wilkins where they did, and they were going to be happy with what they had. So if Andrew Luck turns back into Andrew Luck, Jordan Wilkins could be like a steal this late in drafts. Do you remember like all these running backs who have been drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round, and no one knows anything about them? They weren't drafted in the first or second, so no one thinks that they're like stud athletes or anything. Um, one name that comes to mind is Zach Zach Stacy. You remember I him for the Rams sixth round pick? as a rookie, or undrafted? Yeah, he he won a lot of teams leagues. Him and Eddie Lacy that year came out of nowhere, and if you owned one or two of those guys, you were in great shape. He fits the profile. Jordan Wilkins fits the profile of what those guys have looked like, and he's in a perfect situation. So obviously, an injury would 
you know, is usually what causes it. But right now, the Colts just don't really have much. They've got, like you said, Marlon Mack, who is just kind of a change of pace back. And if if, if they think they're going to use him as a banger on first and second down, I don't think that's going to go so well. Well, that's that's the weird part is that I felt like the Colts really messed up last year. Now it's a new coaching staff, so we have no idea how they feel about him. And that's the part where I'm torn on Mac because I wanted the Colts to give Mac a shot down the stretch last year. It's like put him on the field, give him. 50. I know, just see what yeah, you have. Like understand, like let's find out if we need to draft a running back. Let's see, and they didn't do it. Like he was effective in the role that they had him play. But we haven't seen him on the field with with a lot of touches. So, and that, that's another thing is Frank Reich. We don't know how he's going to handle the backfield. Is he going to go Doug Peterson's route? Is he going to go Andy Reid's route? We don't know. Uh, but the way that the team seems like it's built, it seems more like it's going to be somewhat like the, like Doug Peterson's Eagles. But Robert Turbin being suspended for the first four weeks, it gives Wilkins a clear shot to get some carries. And if he can impress, he's going to steal that role. Yeah, I, uh, I like I said, I have Jordan Wilkins as my number one. And really what it comes down to is I think he's going to be the starting running back for the Colts. I don't know if it's week one. I don't know if it's week four, but I definitely think it's going to happen. I think he's the best first and second down running back in that backfield. And if you're a starting running back in that offense, I mean, he's an every week starter. No doubt about it, mate. I, I won't quite say an RB1, but he's got serious, serious upside if he starts in that offense. For sure. And he's the type of guy that could do it on all three downs. Like he's a he's a he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He can run on first and second down. I, I completely agree. Remember too, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Arian Foster, none none of those guys were this hot shot rookie running back. They all stepped in and were dynamite. Alfred Moore, 1,600 yards his rookie season. That's the thing is they have to take advantage of the opportunity, and the fact that Robert Turbin was suspended for the first four games, it forced me to move Jordan Wilkins up in my rankings because I know he now he's going to have the opportunity to shine. All right, man. Who's your next guy since uh, I had Wilkins as my number one? All right, so Vance McDonald, uh, another Pittsburgh Steeler. So Vance McDonald is someone that I'm really high on where it's like, let's pretend that you missed out on the top 10 tight ends. You're like, I'm not willing to pay this price. Your league has a run at tight end. You're just not willing to pay it. Have no fear. Vance McDonald is here. So Vance McDonald is someone that when he was with San Francisco, people were expecting the next breakout star. Like he was receiving more hype than George Kittle. People were excited. He was averaging over 15 yards per reception, but the rumor was that he just didn't fit in Kyle Shanahan's system, which kind of makes sense because Kyle Shanahan has never really used the tight end all that much. Uh, If you go through Atlanta and you go through San Francisco, you don't see it. He was traded legitimately a week before the season began. He didn't have a chance to learn the playbook. He didn't have a chance to to develop any chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger. That's why he saw just 11 targets over the first 13 weeks of the season. And they knew that was going to happen. They traded for him because they wanted him long term. That's what I would assume. Uh, And then McDonald, he saw 11 targets. the The same amount that he saw over the first 13 weeks, he saw in the next two games that he played. He totaled 52 yards in each of those this offseason they've talked about, getting him more involved in the offense. And between him and Jesse James last year, they accounted for 87 targets. That's more than enough to get into tight end one territory if he receives the, you know, the a giant share of that. And it's obviously a great offense to be playing in. So I like Vance McDonald quite a bit. I like Vance McDonald as well. I've got him as my number 15 tight end right now. Like if you I, I don't mind owning two tight ends if one of them is an upside guy like Vance McDonald. But I don't have any shares of McDonald. And the reason why is because my next sleeper is a tight end and he's going to the same range. It's Eric Ebron talked about it last show. In fact, I've been talking about it quite a bit lately because I've really come around to the idea that Eric Ebron doesn't have to be the starting tight end to be a relevant fantasy player because they're using him all over the field. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's one of these hybrid tight end wide receiver types. I mean, you remember Marquise Colston was a tight end when he came into the league 
Eric Ebron can play outside a little bit, and he's got he's got red zone um, upside. I know he hasn't really done much uh, lately in in Detroit. I mean, they've got Marvin Jones there as well, who's kind of been a touchdown guy. But I think Eric Ebron can do it. And in Andrew Luck's offense, he's got top five tight end upside. I'm not drafting him expecting that. I think he's got a high floor and a high ceiling. And that's the type of sleeper that I absolutely love. How can he? Yeah, I haven't subscribed to the whole um, Eric Ebron's can't can't score touchdowns thing. I just don't think he was ever used in that role. Um, I mean, the guy, he's an athletic guy. Like he's 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 six, four, two. It's like it's like Julio Jones, like. You really think Julio Jones can't score touchdowns? Exactly. Like it just depends on the offense, the way they use him. Um, six four, two hundred fifty pounds. He's very athletic. He looks like a wide receiver. His athletic profiles like Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, same, same guy. Well, if he can do that and he plays in that role, then obviously he's in line for massive upside. So this is a, this is a great pick at the tight end position. Um, right now, I think he's going as like the twentieth tight end off the board, and this is going to change throughout the offseason as he's going to change in my rankings too. Because if he does get that move tight end role in uh, Reich's offense or Peter offense whatever you want to call it he's gonna be worth a lot you know i made a big mistake tags draft.com is doing their huge million dollar contest and i entered the league and i thought i could get jack doyle and eric ebron i should have just taken ebron because i like him a little bit more than doyle this year and he was taking one pick before me and i'm just i'm so mad at myself because i have ebron everywhere i got a message on twitter the other day that said the they, they just listened they listened to our mock draft episode that we did um the draft best ball one and they said that they loved hearing you uh basically your competitiveness and like you like basically they could hear your rage through the microphone <laughs> they said it was it was great I'm a I'm a very competitive guy. Like I I lettered in five sports in high school, and um I played a lot of sports, and be, it's just because I wanted the competition. Like I was so hungry for competition, so it carries over into fantasy sports, man. Like I'm not gonna kill anyone, like I I used to want to do in in high school, but like you know if you're playing, you play to win. And if Vanilla Will is sitting out there and he's gonna steal Lamar Jackson from me, he's gonna hear my rage. And I know that he's listening to this, so I'm I'm still mad at you, Vanilla Will. I'm I'm holding this against you for a, at least another week. All right, man. You've got two more, and I've got one more. Yep, my number two is actually Mitch Trubisky. I didn't realize that he fell on this list. I've been writing so much that don't do it. I can't Tad. remember who's uh who's on what lists anymore. But Trubisky is uh actually coming off the board as the 170th player. And hold on, so. I'm I'm usually one that says go with the flow at your draft, but if you're one of those who really really wants to try out the late round quarterback approach, go with Trubisky. Like 120 percent. Um, like in a 12 team league, if you're going with the late round approach, yes, if that's what you want to do, I think Trubisky. Like legitimately, I think he's going to be a low end QB one, high end QB two this year, and I think he's going to provide you with a solid floor. I don't think he comes with the upside of of throwing for four hundred yards and four touchdowns like maybe like a, a Drew Brees does or anything like that, or maybe Deshaun Watson. But I do think that Mitch Trubisky is going to be an Alex Smith type quarterback in the NFL in terms of fantasy and Alex with running too. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is he's one of the best athletes at the quarterback position. I think that's the part where most people don't realize. And even going, you know, taking out my whole, you know, I liked Mitch Trubisky coming into the NFL before he became came to the Bears. He was my favorite quarterback in the draft. So going and looking at PFF even last year, you know, these are guys that they have so many analysts that go through and they watch so many tapes of games. There's no bias there. They graded Mitch Trubisky as a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson in their rookie years last year. So that just goes to show you that Mitch Trubisky, he, with what he did that was on the field in terms of wide receivers and some tight ends, how the packages were used with Tariq Cohen not being on the field for more than like 20 snaps a game. 
the expectations really shouldn't have been high for him. But when you, when you watch the games, Trubisky actually, he executed some things. There, there were definitely some rookie mistakes in there. But coming to a team now with Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton, you know, Taylor Gabriel to help stretch the field, uh, Tariq Cohen being used in a, a much different role, going to more of a shotgun offense, which is where Trubisky excelled in college. I just, I, I don't think people realize that he, Trubisky actually finishes the QB 13 over the final four games of 2017. It's again, again, it's a small sample size. And that was with throwing not as, not as many passes as he's going to throw this year. And, and, and being coached by John Fox. So that, that's not obviously not great. And with a lot of injuries in the offensive line and having no receiver core, you know, here's the thing tags. When you bring up Mitch Trubisky every single time, it makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And I, I, I make some comment like, Oh man, I can't believe you. <laughs> but the thing is like, if you're drafting a quarterback late, you want upside. If Mitch Trubisky fails, so what? You cut him. But you know what? He's got quarterback one upside, right? So I, I have no problem with this. I think you're a little bit too high on him. I'm not going to fight you over it, though, because I definitely can see it. It's, it's a very reasonable take. Yeah, for sure. And, it, and like when you're getting him as cheap as you are, again, I'm not like I don't always go to the late round quarterback approach. But, you know, in a lot of leagues out there, there's like quarterback runs where, you know, you'll see six quarterbacks gone by the second or third round. Don't, don't follow that trend. That's when you go late round quarterback. That's when you say, okay, you guys have a blast. I'm going to grab Trubisky and I'll be, I'll be okay because my starting wide receivers are going to be Antonio Brown, AJ Green. My running backs are going to be stacked. You know what I mean? Like you're stealing all that value while everybody else is going with quarterback. My late round quarterback is, is Matt Ryan. If I can't get him, Alex Smith, I think you can get him about the same range as Trubisky. And I love Jameis Winston. As soon as he comes back, even before then, you, I think you got to pick him up. He's a top seven quarterback when he returns, in my opinion. Um, another guy that I like, Dak Prescott. I don't think he has as much upside as those guys because of his receiver core. But, you know, I like those guys better than Trubisky. With that said, I think Trubisky is a great upside pick. Now, Tags, we both have one left. And we definitely both have the same guy. Yeah, I would assume that we do. And this is a good guy to end the episode on because he is the dude. Take it. Geronimo Allison, man. Mm -hmm. Geronimo Allison is the number two receiver on the Green Bay Packers. If you guys don't remember, their quarterback happens to be the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. <laughs> His name is Aaron Rodgers at me. Okay, bring it at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. <laughs> he is. Yeah, James, yeah, James Jones. And for, for those who are new to the show, if you just stumbled upon us, we have this ongoing thing with our listeners about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I think one of our listeners said it best is that he said that Aaron Rodgers is is the most talented quarterback of all time, whereas Brady's the GOAT because of what he's accomplished to this point. I agree. His accomplishments have been the best. For sure. I'm talking about who do you want on your team if you get one quarterback. It's Aaron Rodgers. For sure. That's that's how I feel about it. And that's the thing. So going back uh, 2014 or 2012, I think it was, James Jones, 14 touchdowns. James Jones was out of the NFL a couple years later. And the reason is because he left Green Bay. So basically, you know, for the people out there who don't believe in Geronimo Allison, that's fine. You could be like, his college profile is not great. You know, he wasn't someone that profiled to be, you know, a top 24 fantasy wide receiver. I get that. But you have to throw all that out the window when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers. And you're one of the only wide receivers who knows the system. So here's the thing. Devontae Adams sucked for his first year, two years. All right. And then people, people gave up on him and then they moved on. And I was like, don't do that. You know, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, giving some time. They want it. They want him to be the guy. Aaron Rodgers kept telling you he was going to be the guy. So now Devonte Adams is the guy he's going to face all the top tier cornerbacks. I was going through that, uh, in the strength of schedule of wide receivers. Like I look at cornerback matchups and, uh, 
Devontae Adams' schedule is not very good this year. That's, that's, that's a nice way to put it. So Geronimo Allison is going to be seeing a bunch of like a second-tier cornerbacks because he's definitely not being shadowed. He knows the offense. He's played 15 games with Rodgers in his career, including uh, he had an eight-catch, 122-yard game in Week 3 last year. He has chemistry with Rodgers heading into his third NFL season. The Packers didn't spend high equity. The Packers had a few picks, like – they, I felt like they were going to take a wide receiver in the top three rounds of this draft. Like it was James Washington was there for them in the second round, and it was like, okay, this is a given. Take Washington. Even if they did, I don't know if he would have started because that's not the way Green Bay does things. Well, that's the thing is like you'll notice that when, when players come to Green Bay in their first year, a lot of them tend to struggle because Rodgers is just a system quarterback. Like he, like he works on that trust system. He works on timing. Like he doesn't wait till a wide receiver is open to throw him the ball. He anticipates things. So Allison, having you know that two years of experience with Rodgers, I think he's got a leg up on the competition. I think you're going to see that in the preseason, and you're also going to see Allison move up draft boards. I have him right now as my wide receiver 48, and I think I'm one of the highest in the industry. He's already moving up draft boards. I've, I've got him even higher than that. I've got him at number 45. And, uh, you know, frankly, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him earlier if he continues to move up because I think that he's worth it. You just don't have to at this point. So don't let anyone snipe you. Go reach for Geronimo Allison. He is going to be worth it. He is starting in two wide receiver sets, not Randall Cobb. And when you start in Aaron Rodgers' offense, you're the man. Yeah, um, this reminds me all too much of uh, Devin Funches last year. Oh, way different than De- than Devin Funches. But yeah, same, same. What I'm saying is the idea that he's got a clear path to targets. He really does, but he's playing with a quarterback that's like 20 times better. <laughs> yeah, definitely a pass in the ball. Aaron Rodgers can run the ball too, man. He's the GOAT. All right, man, that's uh, that's all. I, I guess we've probably got a stat of the day to close it out. Do you have it for us? We do, and we promised you guys that we were going to be doing this uh, every show, and I, I love this because it's like things that I, I've been I, – I, I continue to try and look for things that you guys are going to find interesting. And last time I, I felt it was really interesting, but I felt like it was a lot to take in with numbers. This one, they correlate. There's two stats here, but it's going to combine into one for one reason. Jared Goff ran play action an NFL high 29.1% of the time last year. Marcus Mariota had a 122.8 quarterback running while running play action, which was the highest in the NFL. He had just a 66 quarterback rating with no play action, which was the second lowest in the NFL. Why do these things correlate? What does it matter? Oh, that's right. Matt LaFleur, the guy who was right underneath Sean McVay in LA when Jared Goff ran an NFL high 29% of the time play action. Matt LaFleur was there learning. Matt LaFleur is now in Tennessee coaching Marcus Mariota. I'm sure he knows these stats and I'm sure he's going to use them to his advantage uh, with the play action with Deion Lewis, with Derrick Henry. It's all going to work. Mariota is um, this this stat actually made me like Mariota quite a bit. That's so good, man. That is a really good stat. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, just, just so you guys know, Mariota averaged 11.2 yards per attempt when going play action, just six yards per attempt without. That's like what Matt Ryan did back when he had one of the most efficient seasons ever two years ago. Play action is so underused in the NFL. Like there's there's a lot of teams that could benefit from using it more. You've got all these RPOs now, too, so we'll see what happens now that the Titans have mixed things up. I, I think Mariota has extreme potential, top-five quarterback potential. He, yeah, he actually does because he does run the football, and like that's what you need to get into that territory unless you're you know a freak like Drew Brees. I mean, you remember for, uh, for nine weeks, he was the number one fantasy football quarterback two years ago. Not nine straight weeks, but for a nine-week period, he was the best quarterback, so he's got that kind of upside, guys. 
All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, Pristine Auction. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com make sure to let them know fantasy pro sent you they've got they've got hundreds of items that end daily for every cave out there no matter who you're a fan of and thanks to yourrules.com, y-o-u-r-u-l-z they've got some really creative ways that you can play fantasy football where you can do like in-game substitutions and you get points for pass interference yards i just love it it's it's so creative and uh, check them out yourrules.com. for mike taglier i'm bobby sylvester thanks for listening enjoy your football I just wanted you to watch me dissolve